Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Well, amen. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, and I'm so glad to be back this week. Listen, I got a bunch of texts this week. Got a bunch of texts this week of just people telling me how thankful you are for meeting Pastor David Evans last week and how grateful you are that we're going to be in the life of greater faith as they love and serve the city of Moundville. But I have to be honest this morning as I begin, I was a little da- jealous of David last week. You laugh because you know why, right? I've never seen you so rowdy before, right? Like you came out of your shell. And I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I wouldn't mind that a little bit myself, you know what I'm saying? So today, <laughs> come on, So there we go, okay, well, that's good, it's a good start, I like it. So I'm going to try to say something maybe that brings that out of you, we'll see if I see, say something good enough today, but I am glad to be back and, 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 and at this as we continue today. Now speaking of Pastor David Evans, I'm going to kind of piggyback on where he was last week, on a verse that he used, but I'm going to use a different part to begin today. So I want to read you Judges chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Okay, let me read this for you. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, Gideon replied, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors have told us about? Here's the first question for today. Have you ever asked that question in your life? God, why has all of this happened to us? Maybe you've asked it this way. Where are all the miracles that our ancestors have talked about? God, why has this been happening to me? Why is this bad right now? Where are all the miracles that the people before me, the Christians before me, the people who believed in God before me that they talked about? Do you ever ask that question? I want to share something personal today. You know, I've got two sides to me, basically, all right? I've got the the Pastor Scott side, but then I've got the Scott Scott side, right? Well, on the Scott 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 side, there's the dad side of me. And the dad side of me worries sometimes. See, my two kids, they see me speak every week on this stage. My kids every week see me declare the greatness of God on the stage every week. My kids hear me speak about the miracles that Jesus did during his life. We sing songs declaring the power of God and how great he is. But then we leave church. Then we leave this environment. And I worry, is the Jesus that I speak about in church the same Jesus that they are experiencing in their everyday life? 
I worry that in life there can feel like a distance between what we see in the God of the Bible and what we see in the God of our everyday. Say, we say things, and I know we believe it, that the, what the author of Hebrews wrote, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that, right? But do you ever have that feeling? Do you ever think those thoughts? That where is Jesus today? The one that I read about and hear about in the Bible. Is there a chance that, that for some that the God of, the, uh, God of yesterday doesn't always seem like the God of my today? As a dad, I worry about this. Now here is why. Because this thought can create a disconnect. These feelings can create a distance. And when this happens, there can be a temptation to look elsewhere for the things that I want in life. When the Jesus of the Bible isn't experienced in my personal life, there's a temptation to say that I need to go elsewhere for the things I feel I need every day. I worry about that as a dad. But you know what? I got that other side of me too. I worry about that as a pastor. Because you know that I'm not your dad, right? I think we know this. But you know I care about you, yeah? You know I care deeply about the people of One Hope. You know I'm passionate about you seeing and knowing the greatness of God and how He is our One Hope for everything in life. You know this, right? Well, is there a disconnect for you ever? Is there a distance between these two worlds for you? Is there a temptation to look elsewhere for what you need in your life? Is there a temptation because you aren't experiencing the God of the Bible? You aren't experiencing what you see in the Bible in your world every day. This is what I want to talk about today as we continue reversing the river. See, today we're starting the, we, the, the last two weeks, basically. Today can be thought of as like part one of two as we finish out this reversing the river series. Because so far we've talked about reversing the river in our relationships, yeah? We started out the year talking about God in the beginning has created us to be in two very important relationships, two passionate relationships, two healthy relationships, and that is with God and others. And that spreads into every aspect of our lives. We've talked about reversing the river and, when, and how we are called to be a neighbor to other people the way Jesus is called to. We've talked about reversing the river and what owns us. Because whatever owns us, we follow. And is there something that owns us in keeping us from following Jesus completely? And then last week, we're talking about reversing the river in our purpose. Pastor David, talking about there's no excuses. 
Doesn't matter what you've come from, what you, how you view yourself, God has created you with a purpose in your life. We're going to continue this reversing the river, okay? We're going to go to another one today, and I told you every single week, and I'm saying it on purpose, I want these messages to be challenging to you. I don't want you to come into this room and then just go back to life and not challenge something inside of you. So I'm asking the question today. Why can life seem like there's a distance between what we see Jesus do in the Bible and what we see him do in our own everyday lives? Now, I want to warn you today. This one today can get a bit messy. It's not it's quite as cut and dry as some other messages, all right? Because truthfully, I don't know if I have all the answers today. Sometimes I just have to ask the questions, but I want you to feel challenged today. I'm going to put something in front of you, and I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to wrestle with what maybe God wants to do inside of you, and maybe wrestle, are you just like the man I'm about to share in Mark chapter Nine. So if you've got your Bibles, we can go Mark chapter 9 today. We'll also have it on the screen. You know you can use your phones. But go 9, verse 14. Can I read it for you? Here we go. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he said, ask. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes with his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me the boy. So they brought him when the spirit saw Jesus and immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of the man and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that, the men, that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. So, in the progression of the story that Mark is trying to tell us about Jesus, this is what's happening. Jesus has just spent a time with Peter, James, and John on a mountaintop, okay? And they've had such a miraculous experience that they didn't want to come down, 
okay? They had such a great time. They saw amazing things. They didn't want to come down to regular life, but they had to. So they come down from the mountaintop, and now they're joining with the other disciples, and they see this scene. There's a large group, and there's an argument going on. Well, when they see Jesus, they come running over, and so does the man that is talked about. He says to Jesus, my son is possessed. My son's possessed with the Spirit. And the man or the dad in this moment wants something to be done for his son. He is desperate. And so Jesus asks him, how long has he been like this? And the dad's like, since he was a child. Like sometimes the the spirit will throw him into water, throw him into fire, and, and, and tries to kill him. And then the man says a sentence to Jesus that's so memorable. And it may not land so well with Jesus. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now picture this moment with the man. The the man has obviously heard about Jesus before, right? He's heard about it or he wouldn't ask this. There's a reason he has come over. The father wants something so badly. And if you're a parent, you know what this feels like. You know, like, you have run out of options. You've done everything you possibly can. You'll do anything just to fix this problem for your kids. So he comes to Jesus. If you can do anything, will you just do something, please? And then we see Jesus' response. If you can do anything, if you can Everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, there is no way of knowing the exact tone of Jesus in this text, right? It's like when you get a text from somebody, you don't always know the tone that they send it. It's why I never have an argument over text, all right? It's just not good because you don't know are they being a jerk? Are they being sarcastic? Are they being funny? Are they being loving? You don't. What, what do you do to a text when someone sends it? You read into it. Well, if I'm reading into this text right now, just Pastor Scott reads into this, it has the potential to be kind of a funny moment, right? Maybe Jesus has an angry tone here, and that's how you read into it. But if Jesus ever had a sarcastic sense of humor, this is the moment. Sometimes Jesus is really bland to us, right? Like sometimes Jesus is just, we picture him being super mellow and he's just super loving and he's just like, it's Jesus. He's just, he's got a personality. He's a human. And if there's sarcasm in his personality, this is the moment. If I can, like if, if my son were to say that, he'd go, if I can, bruh, right? Really? If I can, Anything is possible for the one who believes. And so the dad does what any dad would do in this moment. He goes, I believe, Jesus. I believe. I see you. You're right. I believe, but help me. Help me. Help me. Overcome the unbelief 
in me. And the rest is history, right? If you can do anything, if you can, anything can happen to the one who believes. I do believe. I do believe. I see you. This is why I've come to you. I do believe. Well, help me overcome my unbelief in Jesus does what Jesus does. He does what only he can do. He helps them with his unbelief in this moment. Jesus once again shows that everything that is overpowering in this world is not overpowering for him. He shows them who and what he is. And Mark wants us to see this moment in Jesus' life. There's a reason that Mark wants us to see this moment. Of all the moments he saw, this is one that he included. And as we see this moment, there ends up being a question for us. How easily could you be replaced with this man? How easily could I be replaced with the man in this story? I know that I could be replaced. You could take the man out and you could put Scott in there. And I'm like, Jesus, I've got a problem. Jesus, I'm in a mess. Jesus, I am so sad. Jesus, I am hurting. Jesus, my family Jesus, I'm tired. Jesus, my marriage. Jesus, my work. Jesus, I am sick. Jesus, people are talking about me. Jesus, I am so scared. Jesus, I've tried everything. Jesus, this is what's going on. If you can, will you please do something? I can be that guy. Can you be that guy? I think you can. Not only do I think you can, I think you have been. What I see in this man is just like you and me where we say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I think you can do anything but I need you to help my unbelief in this moment. Help me not just to believe with my mind, but can you help me believe in a deeper place? Jesus, can you help me believe in that core of who I am? I can see us being these people, and you have to picture your own world of, can you be this person where you are struggling with anything? And you go, Jesus, I do believe, but like, help me to really believe. Maybe to understand this, we have to see the language that Mark uses. Maybe it would help us to go and see what language. See, when Mark says, the man says, I do believe, the word he uses, I'll spell it for you, P-I-S-T-E-U-O. This is the word he uses. When he then uses the word, help my unbelief, the word is A-P-I-S-T-A, okay? These are the words he uses. And when people translate the Bible, they translate it the best, their possi- the best of their ability. But let me maybe read how it could also be translated. And see if this connects with you. Have you ever said this? 
Jesus, I am confident in you, but help me where I'm weak. So I'll ask again, how many people could see yourself saying that? How many people have said that? You're carrying something really heavy right now in life. Are you carrying something really heavy, something that you're not strong enough to take care of, something you don't know how to make better? How many people could hear yourself saying, Jesus, I do believe in you. I'm confident in you, but I need you to help me where I'm weak in believing that you will do something. See, I asked the question at the beginning of this message. I said, why can life seem like there's a distance between what we see of Jesus in the Bible and how we see Jesus in our own life every day? And I wonder if there's a gap there. Does that gap really come down to something going on in our faith? Because listen, if we truly believe, and you affirmed it earlier, that Jesus is the same then as he is now, that we do affirm Hebrews that he's the same today, forever, then it can't be Jesus, right? It can't be Jesus that's the problem, right? Is there a chance that in our life we need to experience a reversing the river when it comes to our faith in what Jesus really wants to do in our life? Now understand what I just said. Is there reversing the river that's needed in what Jesus wants to do in our life? Because I think most, if not everyone in this room, maybe watching online, that you believe that Jesus can do anything, right? You believe that Jesus can do anything, but where is our faith that Jesus wants to do in our life? Do we believe in the heart of Jesus as much as in the power of Jesus? Is there, is there a possibility, is there a chance that we don't experience the same power, the same miracles, the same wisdom, the same provision, the same relationship healings, the same emotional healings, the same physical healings, the same restorations, the same visions, the same God. It's because of our faith, our belief in what God really wants to do. Is this the gap between these two words. Our faith really doesn't expect those things. See, from our mouth, we say we believe. I want to challenge you. From our mouth, we say we believe. But what we really need is to, for Jesus to help us deep down with a level of unbelief, just like this man. See, how, how often don't we believe Jesus will work in the areas that are so important to my life right now? 
Do we not believe Jesus cares enough? Do we not believe it's big enough? Do we not believe it moves the needle enough for God to go, yeah, I'm going to invade your life with my presence? I felt this because sometimes I ask myself, can I be open-handed with you this morning? Sometimes I ask myself, Scott, what has happened to your faith? I look at myself. I say, Scott, what has happened to your faith? What has happened to that part of you that believes that God not only can, but wants to, that, that, that will do what only He can do in my life? That He can and wants to do what only He can do in my church? That He can and wants to do in the lives of the people that I love? What has happened to your faith, Scott? That you have stopped asking. That you have stopped expecting. That God will and wants to move. Listen, I never doubt that God can do anything. I don't. I don't ever doubt this. Like, I don't struggle with that kind of doubt. That isn't my problem. I think sometimes my problem runs at the next level deeper. Do I really have a faith? Do I really have a belief that God wants to and will be active in just my everyday life? Sometimes I get to a place where I'm really struggling having a faith that I expect, I assume, I just believe, God, of course you will work here. It's what you do. And I won't lie, at times I found myself in a place where I settle for the answers and the strategies of this world. Let me say it in this way. I settle for the natural when I, through Jesus, have access to the supernatural. Is is that you? Think about your life. Just be real with yourself. Do you ever settle for the strategies and the answers of this world? Do you settle for the natural when in Jesus, like this is the story of... New Testament with Jesus. When we, through Jesus, have access to a supernatural power, like we have connection to something more and we settle for the less. Sometimes this happens to my faith, and I wonder does that happen to yours? Is there a chance you're sitting in that, this moment right now? Because I think everybody steps into this place and you're carrying some sort of heaviness. You carry some sort of this is too much. And often our faith can be worn down. And I wonder if something has happened to your faith because you have, let's just say, lacked patience. Talk about that. Is there a chance that your faith has been worn down because in the past you've asked God for something, but He didn't do it in the timing you wanted Him to do it, and so now you don't have the patience to wait to see if God really wants to do something, and so your faith 
is struggling. Maybe your faith lacks dependence. One of the biggest problems in the God of the Bible moving in America today is our lack of dependence. We often don't operate like we need God for more than our salvation because you have you. You have your job, you have your doctors, you have your friends, you have the people you go to in life. You don't need God for more than your salvation because you have everything else you need. God, why won't you move? God, why don't you do more? Well, because maybe our faith lacks dependence. You've heard the stories of God's moving in other parts of the world, right? Why? Is God different in the east than he is the west? Or is there a dependence because of a lack thereof? And so if it's not you, God, then it's not going to happen. And you and I don't have that. Maybe your faith is struggling because you lack submission or obedience, right? Like we have in our mind how it's supposed to happen, and so we don't have a faith. We may ask, but we don't have a faith in something beyond how we picture it should happen. And so we box God in from moving because, God, I'm asking for this. I'm not just asking for you to do something. I'm asking for this. And then we don't see it happen. And our faith gets hurt. Maybe for you, your faith is struggling right now because you lack evidence. I haven't seen God do before, so why would he do now? Look, maybe you struggle with faith because, look, God, I've done this before. Other people have done this, and I haven't seen you work in this way, so why would I think you work in this way now? And my question for this is, have you ever given God the chance to work in another way, right? Maybe your faith lacks a clarity. You struggle with the theology of this. God, do you or don't you? Have things changed? God, what am I supposed to believe exactly with this? And so your faith hurts because you get so caught up in what maybe it's supposed to be or not supposed to be, so it just ends up being, oh, I don't know how to ask God for this, and so my faith is struggling. What is hurting your faith? right now? What needs to be reversed in your faith right now so you can see the Jesus of the Bible in your life right now? I was reading a commentary this week, as I always do, and one of them that I read, a guy named David Garland, had a great thought on this that I think brought some clarity for me. Maybe it'll bring clarity to you. He was responding to Jesus' words where he said, everything is possible with the one who be- he believed, for the one who believes. And he says, this affirmation, this, these, this word by Jesus, does not mean that faith can accomplish anything, but that those who have faith will set no limits on the power of God. Okay. Hear me when I say this, because for me, this is a big theological moment. Just because you have faith in something doesn't mean it automatically has to happen. We know that, right? We're, we're not God. Just because we have faith in something, think it should happen, want it to happen, doesn't mean it on, automatically has to happen. I think what faith does is it seems to obliterate the walls that you have built up between you asking Jesus to do something life-changing in you. 
It breaks down the walls that brings a separation between you asking God to do something more. This is how I think about it. Faith is what releases the potential of God to work in a way that he deems right. Faith is what releases the potential of God to work in a way that he deems right. And so this is what I want to bring as I close this message. Is there a chance that I can push your faith this morning like 10%? Is there a chance I can challenge you in your faith just like 10% today, just a little movement? That if your faith grew today, what would you ask for? Can I put that in your lap? If your faith grew today, if your unbelief were to shrink today, what would you ask for? If you challenged your unbelief today, what would it be? Where do you need to be stretched today in your faith? Jesus did miracle after miracle throughout the Bible. What miracle? Remembering that miracles come in all shapes and sizes depending on the person and the need. What miracle would you ask for and believe he would do today? Could I convince you today to believe for something more than you've ever believed in your life. How could I push you out of your comfort zone to believe for something that's way beyond you in this moment? To put something at the feet of Jesus and say, if you don't do it, then nothing can. I said before that everyone who walks into this room has something they're carrying that if you were to admit you'd really love for God to work. There's a place of hurting right now. There's a place of need right now. There's a place of frustration this now, right now. Maybe there's a place of anger right now. There's a there's just something in you, and, and you haven't brought it to Jesus because inside of you, there isn't that deep down belief that this is important enough. You believe he can, but you're not sure if you believe he will. Jesus, if you can, will you have pity on us and do something today? Jesus is like anyone who believes. It's possible. So I want this morning to be, whether it's in this room or you know people are watching online, if there's something that you've been wanting to bring to God because you've kind of run out of your outs in life, would you bring something to Him? Is there something with your child? Is there something with your spouse? Is there something you are wrestling with and you're sick of wrestling it and you go, God, I'm just going to, I'm just going to turn the dial and I'm going to believe a little bit more. 
what would you ask for? And so what we're going to do today, we're going to close in worship as we do. And I'm always going to open this up. You can stay in your seats if you want. I think there's something special about coming and bringing something to God. If there's something you would ask for as we sing this song that we've already actually sung today once, is there something you would bring at the feet of Jesus and say, I need you to do something? Heavenly Father, God of heaven, you are the same today as you were in the stories we read. You're the same God that the man brought his son to to be healed. God, may one hope people believe that the God we see today written is the same God we can come to with our needs. And then God, I ask you to do what only you can do. I believe not only you can, but I believe you actually want to do miraculous things in our life. And God, I believe our faith unleashes the potential to do more than we can ever ask, imagine, dream in the name of Jesus Christ. So if there is something weighing on your people today, may that weight get heavier in this moment. Enough where we are willing to just say, okay, God, I give it to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.